a man fell in a hole. He fell in a hole and he couldn't get out. A traveler passed by. He told the man to meditate, to purify his mind, and when he reached Nirvana, all suffering would cease. The man did as he was told, but he remained in the hole. Another man appeared. He explained that the hole didn't exist, and neither, in fact, did the man. It was all an illusion. The man who did not exist was still stuck in the hole that was not there. Another visitor arrived. He instructed the man to perform good deeds to improve his karma, and though he would still die in the hole, he might be reincarnated as something magnificent. Another man looked down from above. He taught the man to pray five times a day facing east and to follow five important tenets. If he was faithful, one day, perhaps, the divine would set him free. The man prayed as best he could, but he was losing strength, and in the hole he remained. something different about him. He called down to the man in the hole and asked him if he wanted to be free. This man lowered himself into the earth, into the pit. He took hold of the man. saved. If you would, let's turn in our scriptures together this morning to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4, we're going to look at verse number 10. It would be my assessment this morning that every single one of us knows someone who's fallen into a hole. You've probably been there as well. There's the story of the man who had fallen into a hole similar to this one in which another man jumps down into the hole with him. And he says, what are you doing down here? And he said, well, I've been here before and I know the way out. How many people do you know that are in a hole? They're in a place where they need help. Today we're going to be looking at the last in our series of sermons on our mission of the church Helping people serve Jesus Christ. We started with helping people find. That's all about evangelism, helping people come to know Jesus that uh, aren't Christians, aren't saved. They come to know Jesus Christ in their personal walk with Him. Then to know that was our spiritual formation, our discipleship, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Last week we talked about loving Jesus, which was all about a lifestyle of worship. And today we come to helping people serve Jesus. Overwhelmingly, when I have given, and we're going to do this here in the near future, some spiritual gift inventory type tests that you can take, overwhelmingly there are people in the church that come up with the gift of service. So let's use that gift. And that's exactly what our scripture says today, found in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Peter says these words to us. Each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. Use what you have been given to serve others. Now, many of you do that. You do that regularly. You do that often. You have become people of service. But all of us need to be a church of serving the needs of other people. Now, we talk about helping people serve Jesus. And I'm a firm believer that every one of these are true in that we can't help others find, know, love, or serve Jesus unless we are doing that ourselves. We need to show service to other people before we can ever help them be serving Jesus as well. We cannot give what we don't have. We have to have that in our own lives. And so we need to be challenged today by these words from Scripture that tell us whatever gift we have, whatever the Lord has given us, we need to use that in serving the needs of other people. Let's look if your bulletin. There is also an outline that will be on the screen today. And let's see how we can be challenged by our Lord and Savior. How is it that he served other people? What is the example that he gave? And then let's follow this example of our Lord in serving people so that we can help them serve Jesus Christ. The very first thing that I'd like to point out is this, that Jesus, he sees the need that others fail to see. He sees the need that others fail to see. Uh, years ago, when I was at my very first church, we were doing some remodeling of our home, and we only had one little car. We had a little Honda Civic, and I knew I was going to need a little truck. And so I bought a, a little Ford Ranger pickup truck. I loved that little truck. And uh, one day, um, I was driving. I only lived uh, two blocks from the church, but I needed to take some stuff to the church, or maybe I was bringing stuff home. I don't even remember. And so I drove my little truck down to the church, and when I went to go start it up, um, all of a sudden I heard some noises that didn't sound right, and then some white smoke came out from underneath the hood. Now, I am not a mechanic. My son has built cars. He works for a hot rod company today. That's what he does. He loves. He can tell you anything about a car. I cannot. That is not my gift. So... It was running, and I figured I wasn't going that far, and the smoke was gone, so what harm could I do? So I went ahead and drove it on down to the church, and then there was a friend of mine who was at church, and I knew, uh, he knew a lot more about cars than I did, so I told him what happened. He says, well, let's just go see. I'll never forget his words. He says, the problem could be obvious. Okay. So we go out, and we open up the hood, and my main drive belt, of the truck had broken that's what the smoke was from it ripped in treads and and he said well <laughs> there's your problem you know uh, it wasn't as bad as the one guy who had rented a little sports car one time and left his lights on and so he 
you know, needed a charge. And, and he found a guy who was going to jump it for him. And when they opened the hood, he said, I'm not sure, you know, really what the problem is. And the other guy said, well, there's your problem. Somebody stole your battery. And his wife said, it's a sports car. It's in the trunk. You know, at least the problem was obvious. You know, I mean, my, my friend was right. There was no belt on it. It's not going to go very far without that belt. And, and I could have damaged that even just driving it as far as I did. The problem was obvious. But sometimes those problems in people's lives, the needs that they have, aren't quite as obvious as my little issue with my truck. You know, sometimes you've got to look deep. And Jesus looked deep into the lives of people to see their needs. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus starts this beautiful, wonderful sermon that we know as the Sermon on the Mount. And in the beginning of that message, it says, And Jesus went up on the hillside. And I've been on that hillside. It's a gorgeous, beautiful hillside. Uh, probably Jesus stood in one place where there were some rocks that kind of went up behind him. And then um, the lake, the Sea of Galilee, was down below him there. And uh, there was a wonderful study that was done about how Jesus knew um, acoustics. He knew the science of acoustics. And he stood in you know, places. He didn't need the microphones. He would stand at a cave or on the water side that would reflect his voice. Because he's speaking to thousands and thousands of people. And yet every person was able to hear him. And so that day he goes onto that hillside. And in that little passage of scripture, there's a place that it says, And seeing the people, Jesus began to preach. Now if you do an in-depth study in that, it's more that word seeing the people. That little phrase is much deeper than just like as I'm looking out to this crowd today and I see you. It was more than that. When Jesus looked into that crowd, he saw every individual in that crowd. And he saw everything about every individual in that crowd. He saw all their good stuff. You know, he could look back and he could say, Oh, wow, you know, I know that person this week uh, went over and he helped his neighbor. And his neighbor was trying to move something and needed that. And he went over and he helped. I know that about him. He would see their compassion. He would see their love. He would see their kindness. He would see their uh, acts of good deeds. And he also saw the bad stuff, their junk. He knew who had left that morning their home and had probably been abusive to their children that day or their spouse, who had been cheating their employers, who had been sinning in various ways. He knew every need of every person standing in that crowd on that hillside that day. When Jesus saw people, he saw everything about them. And he saw their need. He sees us today. He sees the needs that we have today. He sees us. And he sees our needs. He saw the needs that other people fail to see. I don't know why we fail to see a lot of needs. Maybe it's just that we get uh, distracted. You know, we're, we're, we start well. We're investing into someone. We're really seeking out if we can you know, find out what their needs are and try to help them, but then we get distracted by something. Or maybe it's just that we're too busy. You know, we see the needs of people, but we think, I really cannot meet that need. I'm just too busy. 
I've got my own needs or the family needs or other things that I've already committed myself to. So I cannot do that. So we just don't do it because we get too busy. Or maybe we even look at those and we're just not interested in meeting their needs. Oh, you know, it would be one thing if their need was um, something simple, something that I could do easily. But if I'm actually going to have to put some effort into this, then I'm not interested. I don't want to do that. I remember uh, the, the other Bible teacher that was at the school with me at Mansfield Christian, he would have service days, and I would talk to some of the elementary school teachers, and I would say, well, how was it, you know, some of the seniors coming down to your classroom? And I said, oh, they walk in, and they're saying, we're here, our Bible teacher sent us down to serve you, what can I do? And most teachers would say, I'd go get them a broom. And they said, well, don't you have some papers that I can grade? No, if you want to serve, here's a broom. Start cleaning. Well, that's not really what I want to do. And maybe we get that way too. Or maybe we even play the judgmental blame game of, well, it's their fault they're in that situation anyway. I didn't put them there. I didn't do anything to cause them to have that need. And if I go help them, they're probably just going to end up there again. Maybe that's why we fail to see the needs that other people that Jesus never failed to see. We just don't. You know, one of the craziest things we say in our vocabulary is, how are you doing? Because you really don't mean it and you really don't want to know. I, I ran a test on this in college. A friend of mine, matter of fact, my wife watched a video of her playing piano last night. Uh, Nancy Cummins is her name. She's a pastor's wife. And um, she, she said, um, one day we said that. I'm like, Hey, how you doing? And I said, no, nah, don't tell me. I, I really have no interest in knowing. <laughs> Just to be honest, she said, you know, let's not do that anymore. When we see each other, let's not ask how we're doing. Deal, what are we going to say? She said, well, we could say, hey, it's nice to see you. And I said, but what if it's not? <laughs> let's just be honest. So you would find us on the campus of Warner University in Florida, and we would yell all the way across campus, hey, I see you. At least it was truthful. It was to the point. We meant what we were saying. But how many times even today have you asked somebody, hey, how you doing? I really don't care and I really don't want to know, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Jesus saw every need. He took interest in every person that he came across and he saw every need that they've ever had. Jesus never failed to see the needs of people. We have to be like our Lord. We cannot fail to see their needs. We have to look deep into people's lives. And, of course, most people say, I'm doing fine. No, you're not. No, you're not. We've got to be willing to meet those needs. We cannot fail to see the needs of other people. Well, the second thing that I love about Jesus throughout Scripture, it's not only that he sees the needs of people, but he does something about meeting those needs. <laughs> He does something about it. I came across an interesting article. This was in a newspaper. I'm sure it's not true, but it sounds very true. Um, they, the the uh, column, the title of the column was called The Hall of Shame. And uh, you'll like this. Dear Sir, my friend Ed Peterson over at Wells, Iowa, received a check for $1,000 from the government for not raising hogs. 
So I want to go into the not raising hogs business next year. As I see it, the hardest part of this program will be keeping an accurate inventory of how many hogs I haven't raised. My friend Peterson is very joyful about the future of the business. He has been raising hogs for 20 years or so, and he said the best he ever made on them was $422 in 1968, until last year when he got your check for $1,000 for not raising hogs. If I get $1,000 for not raising 50 hogs, will I get $2,000 for not raising 100? I plan to operate on a small scale first, holding myself down to about 4,000 hogs not raised, which will mean about 80,000 the first year. Now, another thing, these hogs I will not raise will not eat 100,000 bushels of corn. I understand that you pay farmers for not raising corn or wheat. Will I qualify for these payments as well? Also, I'm considering the not milking cows business. So please send any information you may have on that too. In view of these circumstances, you understand that I will be totally unemployed and therefore plan to file for unemployment and food stamps. But be assured you have my vote in the next election. Isn't that kind of the life that we see really today? I don't want to do it. I don't want to be involved. If somebody can do it for me, then let them do it. You know, it, it's so true that we see about 10% of people do 90% of the work in the church. What could happen? What could happen if all of us went to work? Well, we'd be that church that's on fire for the community that we talked about last week. This is a neat little thing, and, and I, if you want a copy of this, I'll be happy to give it to you. There was once four people named nobody, everybody, somebody, and anybody. There was an important job to be done. Everybody was sure somebody would do it. Everybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about this because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Isn't it true? Nothing stopped our Lord from meeting the need. He, he, he saw the need, and he did something about it. When a young man was brought to him demon-possessed, he cast out the demon. When a woman is brought to him in her sin of adultery, he forgives her and saves her life from being stoned to death. When a man is lowered through the roof of a house, he stops everything he's doing just so he can heal that man. He's always at work meeting our needs. He does something about it. Even when we see the needs of people, how many of us really do something about it? We get active in doing something. Last week we turned, talked about love. Love was an action. We've got to show the love of Jesus by actually acting upon it. Well, serving Jesus is how we act upon that. How do we show that love of Jesus to other people in this community, into our families, into this world? Because we do something. God has given every one of us gifts and abilities to be used and if you want to know where to be used I can give you a list or we'll ask our elders or ask a board member we'll give you a list we'd love to see every person in this church serving with the gifts that God has given them wasn't it beautiful this morning to see some younger people 
who have felt like God has asked me to serve in music. And some of our youth this morning were up here singing. One even had to hobble up here on crutches just so he could be playing drums with us. And yet he was willing. They were willing to give because God had laid it on their heart. He had given them the gift to do it. And they're up here doing it. Thank you, young people, for being involved in our worship this morning. Amen. Yeah, you can applaud that. True service to others is seeing the need that others would fail to see. Sometimes the need will be very obvious. Sometimes you're going to have to dig a little deeper to find what is it that they really, truly need. And remember my little story I told you about, you know, they gave out the turkey dinners and the lady didn't even have an oven. Sometimes it might be going in the house to see, do you even have an oven? I'm not going to give you a turkey dinner if you can't cook it. We've got to find out what the real need, the true needs are. See the needs that other people just walk by and fail to see. And then do something about it. Do something about meeting that need. My last point is this. Jesus doesn't let anything stop him. He refuses to let anything stop him. You know, we say things like this. I can't help them. I just don't have the time. Or I don't have the resources. Or I don't have the abilities. That's common in our language. We say those things often. Jesus had no resources whatsoever. And yet he met needs even when they needed financially. He met those needs. He never let anything stop him. Um, Michelle and I read a chapter of the Bible each night before we go to bed. And man, I would encourage every married couple... And even those of you dating, you can do this. You could do it through chat, or you could get on and do your FaceTime on your device. Have a, read just a chapter of the Bible every night before you go to bed. Make that be the last thing you do together as a couple. Um, that's always been very powerful in our lives. And, and when there's been times where well, we've gotten too busy or this or that and not done that, you know, we can see where it's, there's something missing. So do that. Let me challenge every one of you. And here just this past week, we come across this story in Matthew, and we read through it. The next day, I'm in my office, and I'm like, that's part of my sermon. And then that night, we watched the episode, I think it's seven, of The Chosen, and it was that story. So obviously, the Lord had a plan for it. But it's the story of where all the disciples are hungry. There's no food. They're worried, where are we going to get food to eat? You know, we've got, the, the Chosen does a great job. It shows Thomas, and he's counting out like every lentil they have. This is all we have. And he, and he even says, now, if we could get Matthew and Peter to not eat, that would give us more. And I'm thinking, this is great, you know. Um, but they're hungry. Some are talking about they're even starving. And the Sabbath day comes. And Jesus tells them that they're going to go into this small little village town in this synagogue and celebrate the, the Sabbath there. And so they go, and they and get there, and when they go in, there's a man there who has a withered hand, the Bible tells us. And Jesus interrupts the synagogue and goes to the man and heals this man's hand. And, of course, the priests and all those that are there go ballistic about it because Jesus healed someone on the Sabbath day. That's against our law. And Jesus then says, Oh, I'm sorry. 
hey, can you find me tomorrow and I'll take care of that hand for you? No. You know, he tells them, is it wrong to do good on the Sabbath? So he heals the man and they're, they're mad. And then they're leaving and they're walking through a grain field. And uh, the Bible doesn't picture it this way, and I'm sure the chosen video took some liberties. Peter is so excited about what just happened in the synagogue that he just grabs a handful of grain and he just starts eating. And they're all looking at him like, what are you doing? And one of them leans to the other because they portray it that Matthew doesn't really know the Torah as well as the others. And they said, you can't reap and harvest on the Sabbath. And Peter's like, I'm so sorry. I forgot what day it was. I'm just so hungry. And of course, our scripture tells us, and Jesus looks at his disciples and says, take and eat. Eat. And they all begin to grab some grain, and they begin eating to fill their starving bellies. And then Jesus tells them, I am the Lord of the harvest. It doesn't matter if it's today, tomorrow, I am the Lord of the harvest. Eat. You have a need. Nothing's going to stop us from meeting that need. Even if it's a law that I created, nothing is going to stop me from meeting the needs of other people. This is the way the Lord met the needs of people. Nothing would stop him. If we're truly going to be a church that helps people to serve Jesus, we've got to serve others. This is what our Lord did. And to serve others, we've got to first and foremost see the need that other people fail to see. Dig deep. Get into their lives. Find out what really is your need. I appreciate Mick Redding who oversees our generosity bucket because he said, I hate just writing a check to people. Let's find out what they really need and help those people and that's what we've been doing I know since I've been here we've been trying better to find out what are the really needs to help people some of you donated tables and clothing and things because people have needed those things dig deep find out what the need is do something about it it's one thing to just see the need but do something about meeting that need and don't let anything stop you You'll even have good Christian church people to say, oh, you really shouldn't do that. I'm not going to let anything stop me from meeting this need. Nothing can stop me. Do you know Jesus performed one of the most ultimate tasks for that day to prove to all of those followers, I am here to serve you. He proved his service to them on that night when he took water and a towel and he washed the feet of those followers that day. Look for the needs of other people. Dig deep.
Don't be satisfied with the, no, I don't need anything. Don't be satisfied with the, I'm fine. No. We pray this every week, at least I do. I know every person that walked in this place this morning has a need of some kind. Those of you who have close friends, close family members, people that you talk to every week, find out what their need is. And then do something about it. Do something. And don't let anything stop you. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back up and join us on the platform. As they lead us in a closing song, one of our elders is going to come to this side with his spouse. My wife and I will be over here. And maybe some of you just want to have some personal prayer time. We want to offer you the opportunity if you want to do that. And maybe there are others in this church you would like to just go to them and just say, would you pray with me today? I have a need and I need some prayer. Would you pray with me? Today's the day that let's get those needs met. We can never help others serve Jesus until we're willing to serve them. Would you stand with me? Lord Jesus, today, I ask that you would look deep within us to see the needs that we have that only you can meet. And Lord, today, we would be willing to do whatever it takes to see you meet that need. Lord, I pray for those needs that we have that you've called others in our circle to meet. And I pray that you would use other people to help meet those needs. We need each other. And the world needs to see Christian brothers and sisters serving one another, serving non-Christians, serving their community, serving people who need. That's what the world desperately needs to see more than anything. So Lord, let us catch that fire today so we can help people serve Jesus Christ. And we pray this in your precious name. Amen. Hey, youngins, awesome, awesome job. Thank you. Thank you. And Brooklyn, what a great, you had the longest scripture passage, and you did a beautiful job reading that passage of scripture. Good job. Good job. Thank you very, very much. And Sue, thanks for getting these involved. That was wonderful. Wonderful. Just a couple of things before we dismiss, and I want to remind you of next Sunday, you know, bring your chairs, and if you have an umbrella or whatever to set under, because it's going to just be sunny. We'll need it for shade, not for any other reason. Uh, so bring that. And then it is followed by a church picnic. But everything's covered. You know, Robin's already got all that squared away and taken care of. So um, I've been assured it's going to be apple pie. That's all I care about. As long as it's going to be apple pie, I'm fine. It's going to be a great traditional July 4th picnic. So uh, that's next Sunday. So make sure you wear that. Make sure you bring your chairs and dress for warm weather because it'll still be warm weather next week. And then if you know someone that's kind of been leery about still coming in with social distancing and thing, call them and let them know this Sunday is outside and that might you know make them feel a little more comfortable about coming and worshiping with us uh, the other thing uh, that I want to just point out too is two weeks from today we're having another baptism service so if you have not been baptized please come talk to me one of the elders and uh, you, we can plan then on that day. We can plan any time. I'll baptize you today if you want. We, we'll do it. But it just be cold because that takes the heater a little while to get the water warm. But you'll remember it that way. And um, 
So, but two weeks from today, we are planning another baptism, and love for anybody that has any questions or things be a part of that. Please come and see one one of the elders or myself or Pastor Josh, and we'll get you the information that you need. What a beautiful day to be together. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just ask that you will be with us this week. Undoubtedly, you were with us last week. You were with Kay when that deer came out in the road, and, and she hit and then swerved. And even though probably at the time she didn't think that pole was a good thing to hit, but it may have saved her life. They said it would have, her car would have rolled. And, and so, Lord, we're thankful for that. We're thankful that even though those broken ribs are tough, we're thankful it wasn't anything more serious. We're thankful that you were with Ralph Brown this week uh, in his surgery, that, Lord, it all went well, and he came through it well with no issues, no problems. He's sore and in a little bit of pain, but... That's to be expected, and we're thankful for the success on that surgery. And Lord, for being with Jean this week, as she had uh, some issues and didn't feel well, and we're thankful that you were with her, and so many, many more that you were with this week. We, we could sit here all day, and every one of us could tell how the Lord was with us this week. So Lord, we expect that to happen again. You promised us that you'd be with us. So Lord, we look forward to another great week of being in your presence. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the challenge from your word. Now go with us and bring us back together again in Jesus' name. Amen.